Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Tom Davis here, your host of the No Bad Dogs podcast, the top charting award-winning podcast, the podcast where we love living, of course, we work with dogs. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys are all well. Uh, I took a couple, I've been on the road. I was, I was on the, I've been on the road for, um, two and a half weeks now. So I've been in LA and we just got back from vacation. It's good to be back in the office. It's good to be back to helping you guys out and, uh, good to be back to the podcast as usual. We're getting back to the every Monday and Wednesday and, um, appreciate you guys. And I got a couple really exciting things. One really big one that I haven't announced. You guys are hearing it first before I announce it on Instagram. I announced it to the no bad dog club already, but, um, <clears throat> I'm doing a seminar and it's going to be this year in May. And the fun thing is, I'm pulling up the poster now, so I don't get it wrong. It's May 21st through the 22nd. So it's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the cool thing is, guys, I'm doing it with a really good friend. His name is Forrest Mickey. He's a dog trainer. Um, Some of you may know him, recognize the name from the Learberg videos, or um, some of you may have worked with him at, uh, he teaches at Michael Ellis' school in Santa Rosa, California. Um, Forrest is going to be in the podcast in the next couple of weeks as well. You guys are going to get to know him. He's been in the podcast before. Um, he's, he's, he's a dear friend of mine. We've been working together for a long time now and, um, and, uh, we're, we're teaming up, we're partnering up and the pod and in the, the seminar again is going to cover everything from, uh, skill building, clear and effective communication systems, handler development, food and reward strategies, um, behavior modification. This is open to anybody. So if Forrest is known for his competitive healing and his obedience, and of course, I specialize in behavior modification. So you are getting two people in the industry that um, strategizes in these very specific niche things of behavior modification and competitive obedience as well as building a better relationship with your dog and I'm very excited to do this with them and again it's May 22nd to the 20 wow 20th to the 22nd of May I'm going to leave the link in the description you guys can sign up there's audit spots and there's working spots and again you guys are hearing it first we have very limited working spots it's $2000 for the working spot it's 500 at an early bird special for an audit spot and I'll explain the audit spots are where you guys come and watch It's $500 per day, and basically you guys get to watch two dog trainers work together, have fun, figure out dogs, uh, work the room, have a great time. Um, It's going to be a special weekend uh, because, again, personally, I've never done a seminar with another trainer. I've never done a seminar at my facility ever, and I've never done a seminar at my brand new facility, so I'm so excited to kind of have this very special seminar. Forrest is flying in from Oregon. Um, it's going to be a great time. <clears throat> now the $2,000 for some of you may seem like a lot, but, um, to be completely transparent and honest with you guys, my one-on-one training for the three days that this seminar is also is $3,000 per dog. And there's no audit spots available for that. So you guys are getting two trainers working on your dogs from both angles, <laughs> helping you out in every way possible. Um, and so it's, it's definitely a, 
a steal. And, and again, most dog training seminars are less, but I want to make sure you guys understand that it's a minimum of, or I'm sorry, it's a maximum of 10 dogs in a working spots with two different, um, trainers. And so the, just, just to give you guys context of that. Um, and the, and the, and again, the audit spots, you guys can come and watch it's, it's 500 bucks. You get a Q and a, of course you get to meet us. You get to hang out with us. You get to answer your, ask your questions throughout the whole time. It's great for dog owners and it's really great for dog trainers who want to learn a little bit more on, um, you know, how to maybe present or how to handle certain situations on the fly. Um, so it's going to be great. I'm very, very excited about it. Um, every seminar we've ever done is sold out. I can't imagine this one not. So if you want your tickets and you want to join, click the link in the description below. If you guys have any questions, um, in the link, there's also a contact form. This is a great podcast. Very excited. Uh, again, kind of getting back into the saddle here. This is a podcast with a couple working with a German shepherd who's 15 months old. He's intact. Go figure, you guys. Something we've heard before. He's reactive on the leash. Um, and we problem solve a lot of different things and handling. There's some things I say in this podcast that I've never said before that kind of came out really nicely and organically. And I think it's stuck uh, with the dog owners. I've, Like I said, I've been on a week vacation at Turks and Caicos and I'm back and I'm fired up and I'm motivated and I'm inspired to continue to help you guys. And so there's some things that came out to this podcast that I've never said before in a way that has never been presented. So I think this will help you guys. And also it kind of just goes over, you know, really what I'm about and how I handle certain things. And we talk about the trainer that they, they've been working with and some of the things that maybe they have questions about. And, you know, to be honest with you guys, yeah, I like you see a lot of dog training camps and a lot of dog trainers out there say like dogs by or whatever. There is no dogs by Tom. I don't train dogs. I train people. I teach dog owners how to train their dogs. Right. So, you know, if you, if you see somebody, if you see a dog that's ever gone through my program, that's not my dog, right? That's not a dog I've trained. I work with people very individually for the maximum of two days in full. And um, I'm, I'm really nailing down the handling that the owners are doing in successfully or unsuccessfully um, to help their dogs. So, you know, we kind of go over that too. You know, I, 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 I want to encourage people to really understand what we're doing as a whole as the No Bad Dog community and just understand that it's not dogs by Tom and it's, it's not dog training by Tom. It is Tom Davis teaching dog owners how to fix and shape and help and and mold their dogs into the things that they're doing wrong and, and really teaching them and critiquing them on some of the things that uh, they're doing wrong. Anyway, we go over that. We go over a lot of different things. It's a great podcast. Hope you guys like it. And uh, at the end, of course, we're right back to answering your dog training questions on the podcast reviews. If you want me to answer your specific dog training questions, all you guys have to do is go over to the iTunes and leave your dog training questions in the um, reviews. You can't do it on um, Spotify, unfortunately, but you can do it on iTunes. I'm going to be answering three of those at the end of the podcast. So make sure you listen to the whole dang thing. So happy to be back. Enjoy the podcast. What do we got? Yeah. So um, we have a 15 month intact male German shepherd, okay. uh, super reactivity issues. Um, and we, we wrote down kind of a list of, of notes, Tom, to kind of walk you through. And we were thinking that it might help to just kind of like paint the picture of what we're seeing and what we're looking for. But sure. I think more than anything else, the reactivity has gotten to a point now where we're like needing some, some definite help with him and for us. And so 
one of the things we did, we were like three hours or three and a half from your place. And we had talked um, via email and we were originally looking at doing the three day like session with you or doing a board and train. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of on the fence on what would be better for him. Um, and so this is part of the reason why we wanted to reach out, but also to see like if there are tools that we can start doing today that could help him based on what we're seeing. Sure. Um, so kind of in a nutshell what we're looking for but um he's our second um shepherd we had a male shepherd for 12 years before this we're actually from california and um we trained quite a bit with that dog with um our breeder and some friends that do a lot of schutzen work i did a lot of like michael ellis like videos and things like that uh from the get-go so we're not like totally new to the scene but we're also not professionals by any stretch and we definitely need help um so if it's okay, I'll just kind of go through some of our notes, get your thoughts. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. All right, cool. So um, he is um, overall, I mean, super smart, learns very quick, probably more so than our last shepherd, uh, definitely a working line um, in terms of his genetics. Um, he's great with, with our family. He knows like all the basic commands. We do German and, you know, down, sit, stay, heal, place, like all that stuff. He, he's pretty consistent with it and does pretty well. Um also, um, I think until the last two months or so, actually was a really good loose leash walker um, and now has started to resist that a little bit. So it's like he's like, you know, pushing back on us. Um, he has always had a little bit of an edge from the beginning where he's not super trusting. And we've definitely seen that. So I think there might be some fear, anxiety and, and some of the reactivity for sure. Um, he's never really been friendly from the beginning with new people. Um, he's always been very mouthy. Um, and we've noticed over time, he's getting a lot better than when he was like, obviously, you know, a small dog. Um, but he really is only responsive to us now when he gets mouthy like that to, um, ignore him or create him like any negative type of behavior. He actually like comes at us more. Um, and it's a lot of like, he'll put his, you know, mouth around our wrist or our hands but doesn't actually bite down. It's that kind of like mouthiness. Um, see what else we've even noticed him being a little bit more mouthy lately when we're putting on his collar and stuff like that. And we'll correct him and tell him no. And he, he stops, but like, it's like, he's just this really bratty behavior. <laughs> um, he does seem he's been on a prong since about five or six months. And I'll get to that in a second. Cause we've seen a local trainer and I'll tell you about that experience. Um, he's less responsive to the prong overall, I think today than he was when he started, of course, which was super responsive at the beginning. Mm. Um, he's had a little bit of like resource guarding. Our last dog didn't have that at all. Um, when he was like a really young puppy where like he would growl a little bit, um, if we come towards a bone or something like that, not really his food as much, but, and he does do it a little bit, but I mean, if we go get it, he'll, it will, he'll give it to us without fighting us, but he does give us a little bit of a growl. Or we'll do like a trade with something and it's over with. Yeah. But he likes to eat everything. So anything he can get his mouth on, he's just, he's always wanting to eat it, you know, everything. So we have a hard time with what we can give him. Right. Um, we have worked with a local trainer and we've literally only done two, two sessions with him. One, when he was about four or five months, he was very reactive at that point. And at that age, I was a little surprised on how reactive he was. And so we got this trainer who specializes in like German shepherds and other dogs here in Doylestown. And, um, he literally told us on site, like when he first started that we should call the breeder and and send him back, that this is not a dog that we should have. And he's very aggressive and like terrible. And then 
we went through the session and by the end of it, the dog was totally fine. And he changed his mind, which was also kind of interesting. Um, he did give us a tool at the time where we did a basic recall when he saw another dog and wanted to be reactive. And literally Tom, at the end of the session, he was not reactive. And we basically went from that session, kept doing it, building on it. And probably for five or six months, he had no reactivity that we saw on walks, whether it was people, dogs, we did, we do tons of RV camping. He was totally fine in RV campgrounds. I would say he was like a normal behavior, like here and there would bark, but nothing like we're seeing today. Right. Mm -hmm. At about 10 or 11 months, it came back again. And now he's like probably more reactive than he's ever been. Um, Let's see what else. We live in a townhome community, so it's pretty busy. There's a lot of people and dogs, and we're kind of to the point now, Tom, where we can't really go outside without him just totally going nuts when he sees a dog. And if a person approaches him, which obviously we're not encouraging, we try and keep him away from people, but some people get a little too close, like he he would be a little reactive to them as well. Yeah, like there were kids the other day on like scooters, bike something, and he did the same reaction that he did with dogs. And he wasn't really doing that kind of, I would say, as much. But then we just saw that last week. So that was disturbing too. Yeah, which is like the jump out at the end of the leash, lunge, growl, that kind of and thing. He's really strong. Yeah, he, um, and we're almost done here. And I'm curious to get your perspective. We can answer any questions you have. But um, good to have the I think too, the, the trainer owns his own like daycare and boarding facility. And we have sent him there um, for both daycare and boarding. And the funny thing is, or the, the interesting thing is when he's there, totally fine, with according people. to them with people and dogs, no problem at all. We do have a video. We have like three videos that we thought we could share on the call. One of them is from our trainer at the boarding facility. So you can see his behavior around people and dogs there. And I have opinions on what I think I am seeing, but I'm obviously not the expert. So I'd want to know what you thought it looked like from your perspective. Mm. Yeah. And the only other thing, um, main thing is my parents came out from Seattle to visit us at the holidays. I, I introduced the dog to them outside on a, on a walk and I did it one at a time. And then I had them kind of walk them, walk him with me. He did totally fine. They did great. And they're like in their early seventies, we came inside and he was laying down and still on a leash inside, got up, went towards my mom. I thought he was just going to sniff her and like basically lunge forward with no bark or growl or anything and took uh, like a little bit of skin off of her hand wrist. And then we kind of brought him away a little bit. And then within a couple minutes, he did it again and got a little bit of her like sweater and then spent the rest of the two weeks that they were here in his crate. Basically we separated them. We haven't had people in our home though, like cause of COVID we're just now like the idea of like doing all that again. But with our other shepherd, we never, we always did crate him cause I never fully trust a shepherd. I mean, that's just my opinion. Um, but I don't know, I guess we had high hopes and we right. probably didn't, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then the last thing, Tom, is I guess the current guidance. So our trainer just came back to our house and did a session with us a couple of weeks ago. And the current guidance he gave us to work on the reactivity is start walking towards a dog, right? Like normal. And if we see his hackles go up or he starts whining a little bit and we know he sees them and he's starting to build that we say, let's go. And we turn the other direction and slowly walk away and then turn back towards the dog after he's kind of like calmed down a little bit and then try and walk through it. It's not working. Like, I don't feel like it's working at all. Um, what, equi so that, uh, what, equi what equipment are you guys using right now? 
So right now I actually have been using your leash that you sell or just a leather six foot leash and he's on a Herm Springer prong and a backup collar and that's all we have. Okay. So you're having the prong, the leash, and then the, the safety clip? <clears throat> exactly. Yep. Okay. And that was actually it for our notes. So well, I have one more thing. Just okay. one more thing is like when he was a puppy too, even our um, vet said like, make sure you get him in training. Cause he's definitely like, we think he's kind of like scared. Like, you know, he's uneasy. He's, he had to take him back by himself. And I remember him saying like, you know, he always didn't like, and still to this day, he's just starting to like be okay with it. It's almost like, you know, getting a rescue dog. Like when we go towards his like head, he's always, even as a puppy been like, unsure of us like going mm -hmm. at him mm -hmm. so that's all yeah i mean my opinion uh right now is just you know kind of combining all of those things together i think that's kind of my job is to figure out what's going on i th and i and i believe that i i would agree that some of this is genetics because exactly what you were just saying is you get a puppy that is reactive at that early of an age. And that is that shy, you know, shy of people, uh, head shy, reluctant, uh, not forthcoming, not confident, things like that with a mixture of brattiness, uh, opportunistic type of behaviors, um, not attacking anybody, but taking a piece of skin off just to let them know that he's there reacting to other dogs on the leash, but not having any problems actually with the dog. So there's a lot of that going on. I think it's just a blend of things. And I think, you know, that's just my first opinion on what's going on is I would agree it's mostly bratty behavior stemming from a pushy genetic pool of, you know, potentially working dogs. Cause that's what you want from a working dog. You want them pushy and, um, kind of opportunistic to kind of think and take charge and to be confident in ways that, we want our working dogs to be, you know, but in the same, the same regard, we also don't want them to be insecure and pushy and listen to us when we say, so I think it's just a blend of a lot of different things. It's not, you know, and it's, and it's not something that is detriment and something that is unfixable or something that you can't overcome. It's just something that you might have to continue to watch for a while, especially, you know, so one thing I want to point out is you went from a leash, uh, a leash reactive dog to having no reactivity for several months. And then all of a sudden at 10 to 11 months, it started to pick back up. That tells me that that is just him being intact. And when he hit 10 to 11 months, when he started to become more of an adult, he started to become more reactive. So in the beginning, it could be the insecure of the breeding of not being a well socialized dog and having the genetics of a nervy type of dog of just, you'll see like a lot of police dogs like that. Not, not all of them, but some of them, they're in the back of the cruiser barking at everybody because their whole gene pool has done that. They see somebody they don't know. They immediately go into stranger danger and they like a cat wiggling his tail, trying to attack something. None of that is taught. That's something they have. They're just reactive. So I'm just giving you kind of a blended approach here of what could possibly be going into the pot. And then when he hit, t you kind of squash that with your exercises that you did with the trainer of redirecting, correcting, uh, stopping it when it happens. And then he's like, okay, I won't be a jerk anymore. And then he hit 10 and 11 months and he's like, okay, I'm ready to be a jerk again. And it's just a harder thing to come across. The other thing that I'll mention is a lot of this could be suppression as well. 
So suppression is a natural part of working with dogs, essentially suppressing their behaviors and not letting them do what they really want to do. And that's something I think in the dog industry, sometimes it's frowned upon. And sometimes that's the only thing you can do. You get a hound dog that wants to constantly chase squirrels and birds and put their nose in the ground. And you're constantly you're teaching them the heel and walk. I mean, that's all suppression. That's a bit of compulsion too, making them do something they really don't want to do, kind of going against their instincts. I mean, that's all natural part of working with dogs, right? So in the beginning, it could have been suppression of, hey, don't be a jerk. You know, let's snap out of it. It's okay on the other side. Let's behave this way instead. Let's get rewarded. And then he hit 10 and 11 months and he's ready to go again. And now you're dealing with probably the same stem of behavior of bratty, pushy genetics, insecure, don't know what to do on top of the other whole conversation of handling and making sure that you guys are providing the ultimate control and the ultimate leadership that the dog needs to not just be leash reactive. You know, and the, right. the good thing about what you guys are dealing with, the most important thing I think what you guys are dealing with is the fact that he can go to daycare and be completely fine. So that tells us that it's just leash reactivity. So he doesn't have an issue necessarily with other dogs. He has an issue being attached to the leash that creates, again, a quick little jab. You know, hey, pay attention. Hey, on your guard. Hey, I'm here. Kind of like just going up and smacking a buddy in the back of the head, just kind of being just a jackass, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think there's a little bit of that. And I think, again, like going back to your mom or your parents coming over, again, he was on the leash. So right. it makes yeah. a little bit of sense, right? So because So what's the variable? That's our job is to try to figure out as an investigator – what is the variable? What's the reasoning that this is happening? And again, sometimes it's a mixture of training, behavior, genetics, success, lack of, I mean, there's some cases are way more obedience or way more genetics or way more this than, and, and I think this is just a perfect blend of an intact vocal young dog that was probably has genetic working line type stuff. And yeah. You know, it's just a mixture of things. So the, the good, like I said, the good thing is it's common. It's leash reactivity. It's not aggression, meaning he didn't want to kill anybody and he won't like very like. Seems like it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's right. scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and Can I, I think, say something? Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. To what you were, to what you were saying, you said about the leash, like here's an example of him being on the leash, but not reacting. Maybe he, I don't know. You tell me what you think. Like I'm bringing him to doggy daycare. Mm -hmm. There's other dogs barking. Even some of the staff's dogs barking at him when we get in, he doesn't do anything where I would think he like on a walk, he would be like, let's go, bro. You know, yeah. like, well, again, it, it, it comes down, it comes down to, so, so look at that, right? Look at that roadmap. Why would he, rea why would he react to dogs out on a walk in your neighborhood or out in public and not in an environment that he is used to or comfortable with. And that just tells me that there's a likelihood that he's reacting on the leash because he's insecure of maybe what to do because you guys, okay. you guys aren't providing maybe an outlet <clears throat> or, okay. or, an escape, like of, to do something yeah. different, or maybe he feels like he's got to do something. So from the okay. point, from the point of view of a dog is you go to a place that he's familiarized himself with and he knows the dogs, he smells the dogs. And this happens to us too, is he's, he's worked with your trainer before. And if your mm -hmm. trainer, like what I deal with, and you said, you guys watch my videos, so you've seen me do this is I get the leash 
and boop, all of a sudden it's either the dog is paying attention, the dog isn't reactive, the dog, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so my point is, is we see that a lot too, is when I take the leash or the dog comes into the training environment, they go, oh, this is the place I have to behave. This is the place that I always tell people I'm the strict uncle. And a lot of trainers are strict uncle or aunt. They kind of take that role of, hey, I love you, buddy, but don't be a dick. You know, pay attention yeah. to me. You know, and I think sometimes if you, again, if you enter that arena, your dog enters that arena of, oh, uh, you know, the trainer's around or this is where I behave, then you're going to see a difference in behavior. So, again, you have to really audit exactly the investigation that's going on right in front of you is if you bring him to daycare or training environment and he's great, that tells you that he is an environmental reactive dog. And I just made that up, but basically that means he's, he's, he's he's situational reactive, which means under certain circumstances. So you look at, so when I'm always working with leash reactive dogs or aggressive dogs, potentially I'm looking at, is it serious? What's their intentions? Where's it coming from? Right. And for you guys, it's, it's environmental, it's situational. So it's like, Hey, he's not a killer. He doesn't want to kill every dog. He doesn't want to go after every person. It's just under certain circumstances. And your job is to do two things, find those variables and isolate them to say, Oh, it's the leash and it's us. I'm just pointing these things out as I go. It's, those are probably two of the bigger things. And then you say, okay, I found the problems or the triggers or the variables, however you want to look at that. Now I have to figure out from these two things why it's happening. And then, and then you start peeling off layers from there. So you try to take those, and this is the best case of behavior modification that you can do as a, as you know, so yeah, because you'll get like, I had a session earlier. Lady calls I me. Mean, this is something we talk about every single day on my videos and on my podcast. It comes up every day and it's like clockwork and, and it's similar to what you guys are dealing with. And it's funny because it happens like clockwork. It's like, Hey, I got an intact dog and all of a sudden eight to 12 months, boom, things change. I don't understand. It came out of nowhere. Yada. It happens every day. And of course I'm laughing inside in a, in a sense of like, it's, it's just one after another, after another, after another, after another. It's just, it's the variable of being intact too. Right. And, right. and, and do I, you think him getting, get, getting rid of that will well, actually help or not, not necessarily? It's that, you know, and that's the same conversation I had with this individual this morning is it, nobody really knows because it's so inconsistent is yeah. it's, it's, it'll go three ways. It'll either help and the dog will calm down and be less pushy. It'll either make it worse because now all of his hormones and his everything that fired off when he was intact is now can't and it's confusing and it's worse now because he's more reactive because he's vulnerable, whatever, or it can make things better. And so it's like, you know, it's tough. So it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. You don't really know what you're going to get. And once it's, once you do it, you do it. And, And if it makes it worse, then you're even in a worse spot. So if you were to say he's eight months in doing this, I would say that getting him fixed might have a better chance of making things better. But because he's 15 months, it's yeah. he's already passed that one-year mark. And, and typically, from my experience and my talkings with different specialists and veterinarians and my, my business is between eight to 14, 15 months is like that sexual maturity. Depending on the breed, the size, the age, the genetics, et cetera. There's a big window there. But once they kind of fully mature, so I, so I can't really answer the fact of, is it going to get better? I mean, we can talk 
to specialists, which we're doing on the podcast, we're continuing to get different people on to give their input to help other people understand. I, I've, I've talked to people that have said, yeah, their cortisol and their adrenaline and everything will go down after six months after being fixed. But then these things, these three things might peak or whatever, who knows? So again, mm-hmm. I, I can't really tell you yes or no. Okay. Um, you can tell us that that's why we're seeing it is because yeah, I think, that yeah. And in, and in my experience, you know, like my St. Bernard who lived to be 12 years old, like I always tell this story to people cause I think it helps is he didn't like dogs at, at, at age four to five. He just didn't like dogs. I mean, literally one day, boom. I mean, one day he just started going after dogs. It was out of nowhere. And this was a dog that, you know, again, like I got, I was 20, I don't know, 21, 22. I can't remember at the time. Um, and you know, I got him from a Craigslist sale blah, blah, and ended up being the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful St. Bernard's I've ever seen. He ended up being 12 years old and that is outstanding for a St. Bernard. My point by saying this is, is orthopedically and physically, he lived a very healthy, stable, uh, life as a St. Bernard because I, and I think it was his diet and him being intact. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so, so I'm just letting you know that I'm not, I'm not, I, I, if, if Lakota, my Dutch shepherd, if, if my St. Bernard was, my point is, is I would, I don't, I don't fix my dogs if I don't absolutely have to, because I'm typically, oh, really? I'm typically getting a purebred dog, um, and I'm breeding for training or for, for demo. Okay. So they're not going to be running around with other dogs and whatever. Now, a year from now, I would say that I probably would get a golden retriever or a lab or uh, a dog and fix them at uh, sexual maturity and have them, you know, be be that dog that can go off and do anything. So my point is, is you have, I, I don't want to say, hey, you, you should have fixed your dog or you should have fixed your dog because I think there's some benefits that outweigh each other. So if you want a healthier dog that may live longer, um, and then deal with some of this behavioral stuff because they're trying to figure each other out. And again, like that client I talked to earlier, same thing this morning. She said, hey, I got a five-year-old, I think Cocker Spaniel or something, and then I got a, a 15-month-old German Shepherd, and now they're they're both intact and they're starting to fight. And I'm like, the sky is blue. Of course they're fighting. The two, intact males do not do well with other intact males. I mean, I've seen it twice where it's gone good. Every other time, hundreds of times, it's gone bad. They just, once they hit that maturity. So I, that's just that that information on that. Um, I know it's it's kind of, um, you know, it doesn't really help you, but I just want to give you some background on where that's at. But I, I personally think if you're going to keep them intact for whatever reason, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's something you're going to, you don't want to probably breed a dog that is, aggressive well, our plan was to neuter but yeah. but now that i'm hearing you say health wise i'm like hmm, i don't know enough maybe well it, it, that's what i mean is i'm not i'm not swaying one side or the other i will tell you historically from talking to dog owners every day several hours a day is i see more behavioral problems with dogs who are intact than i do dogs who aren't intact by far okay. But yeah. you're already almost past that threshold. Oh, really? Well, he's already he's already fully matured. He's 15 months. So he's 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 over a year. So he's not really a puppy anymore. He's he's like a little man dog now. 
He's not a puppy. <laughs> yeah, <dog. laughs> so, yeah. so my point is, is he may all have everything that a 10 year old, you know, dog would have. Right. He's already fully mature. He's already got a, he's already got a beard and a low voice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he's already there. So, okay. and, and, and again, like every breed is different. So you may get, you know, a smaller dog that may mature a little bit later or whatever. And it's hard for me to say, I can't say what's going on with them. Just generally speaking, a 15 month old dog is, is past that maturity of, of them going back to like, you know, puppyhood, if you will. So, yeah. So, you know, I'm not here to really talk to you about what you're going to do with, with that, but I will tell you that I can definitely see a correlation with intact males between eight months. I mean, if you listen to my podcast once a week, it'll be this conversation almost almost like, like without even, and sometimes I don't, you know, post every single conversation I have, but you know, my, I guess my point is, is it's definitely a trend a hundred percent. It's like, I would say one out of every four conversations I have with people either in person or on the phone is this roadmap of all of a sudden is they, are they intact? Yeah, they're intact, you know, whatever. And again, I'm also playing devil's advocate to let you know that my St. Bernard was intact and he didn't like dogs, but because of my control and my obedience, it was never an issue. That's how our last dog was. I mean, he was neutered, but like, was he like the most friendly dog? Did we go to like hang out with all these dogs all the time and stuff? No, but he was fantastic. Just, we could go on a walk and he would just quietly walk by us and it was fine. That's what we're looking for. Right. I mean, he doesn't have to be super social, like with everybody, but we need to be able to go out and walk around and enjoy a walk. And, and not everyone having, not to think yeah. they're gonna, he's going to kill them all too. For yeah. Sure. And I think that that's where, that's where your handling comes in, which is the next, you know, real conversation right. piece is, is the, yeah, is the handling, um, you know, because the equipment is equipment. So if I go out right. and buy power tools, it doesn't mean I can build something. Actually, yeah, exactly. I can tell you I can't, you know, so <laughs> Me uh, either. yeah, I can stick a tack in the wall and call it a day. But yeah. so, so my, my point is, is like, you know, the tools that you use are, are just a tool that to help you as a handler. They're, they're, sure. Some of these tools can be uh, drastically life changing, which majority of them are for people who are having a hard time. And so I, I guess, you know, the tools are a part of what you're doing and you've talked about the tool usage and uh, again, it's kind of just a, um, it's it's an additive thing towards you guys. So why don't you just explain to me a little bit about your you know your your handling and the things that you guys are doing um, outside of the box to to so explain to me like what's going on with that. Okay. Like with walking, with the reactivity. Yeah, yeah and I I would love to show you too, Tom, the two videos because one video is him at daycare, and I would just we would like to get your opinion on how what you think he's actually showing up yeah, like do you, there. Do you have do you have him? You want to email yeah. him or something, or do you want to? What do you? Yeah. The trainer before said use a flexi line when he was like younger, and I do like going over there when no one's around and allowing him to be on the flexi line, and I'll have him do recalls while we're walking, and he can sniff and go where he wants, and he's not pulling me, and he's doing great, but. I do feel like in the neighborhood, like I'll make him heal and the, the current trainer is like, okay, maybe it's a little too much. Like you're not giving him enough slack. He's like, probably just feels like built up a little bit. Like you need to like let him sniff a little bit and be a dog a little more, which I feel like there's such a, this is another thing like in the dog industry, like if the dog's not perfectly walking next to you all the time, I feel it's like you, you're not doing the right thing. And maybe that's right. I don't know, but that is something that, I was thinking. Yeah, well, you got to think, you know, I, I talk about this often. I touch base on it is 
training starts when you say it starts. So if you have a trained dog, like think about think of an athlete, right? They're a trained athlete, right? right? They're a professional or a trained musician or a trained police officer or whatever. It doesn't mean that they're always on the job. That just means that when it's time to show up and work, they know how to do it. So if you if you have a trained dog and they understand foos or, or whatever obedience right. that you have with them, that just means that when you turn it on, that's when the training starts. So like mm-hmm. if I'm out with Lakota, my shepherd, she's in front of me almost the whole time unless I tell her otherwise. And that's okay to do. And, and that's where, again, your obedience comes in. So you see me problem solve that a lot with dog owners who come into the facility with very similar issues that you guys are having externally is I have this problem with my dog and the healing isn't good. The engagement isn't good. The dog could care less. You're on the other end of the leash. You don't have a break command. You don't have a compartmentalization of what the behaviors mean. And there's not a real solid connection. So the dog almost isn't working with you. The dog is kind of just going through a routine and maybe they get treats and maybe they don't. And there's just nothing there. There's no like real relationship. It's just almost like, I don't know how to explain it. Just like that coworker that you don't hate, but you don't love. They're just there. You pass by, you say hello. And that's it. Nothing's nothing significant about the relationship. You're just constantly around each other. You spend almost, you know, every day with each other, but you don't go out after work and hang out and talk and have a relationship with. It's just, that's a lot of people have that relationship with their dogs is I think their dogs care for them. I think their dogs love them to a certain degree. And I think the owners are tenfold of that. They, they care and love for their dog more than their dog even knows because they don't have a relationship to prove it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like people just have this relationship with the dog. And so, so a lot of that is handling and that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And that's why I'm so big on, making sure that dog owners know what the hell they're doing. So you, so the handling is, I guess is, is something I want to talk about. Is your email going through now? This is the um, doggy daycare. And he is the mostly black shepherd. Well, he just said send one at a time. Yeah. I'm just going to take a look at this video here. So they're all outside. I see your dog. Ears are back. Lots of dogs. Lots of different sizes. Looks good. Hey, hey, Hunter. This is a boy. Yeah, he's doing good in daycare. Like he goes to the people a lot. Yeah. Guess I heard it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he seems good to me, guys. Um, he's okay. he he's definitely nervous. I think I, I think everything mm-hmm. that I saw there was very warranted as far as uh, either a new dog or um, a, a potentially insecure, fearful dog into a daycare. Ears are back, kind of escaping certain certain. Um, yep. Uh, I, I guess like little compounded areas. He's not getting into the mix too much. He's not playing. He's more hanging out with the, yeah. the handlers, and that's that's um, that's okay, and that's normal. And like I said before, is, I think um, I think all that's normal. But that just tells you again, guys, that he probably rather not be in a daycare there. environment. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd probably would much rather have a dog walker. 
Um, but again, that just tells you that he's not like an innately aggressive, I'm going to kill every dog I see. He's just a reactive, a leash reactive. That was one of our questions. Like, do you think it's a good or a bad thing? Because I specifically asked for feedback from the trainer because that was one thing I wanted to know was how does yeah. he see yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to say because to be honest and to be fair to to this individual, uh, dogs can warm up pretty good. So we've had dog. That's why we always trial dogs with one or two dogs. And if they're not having the time of their life, they don't come into daycare because that's what that's for. Okay. We have dogs on our yeah. wait list that are waiting to get in to run and have zoomies and run and play all day. You know, and and maybe dogs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. And maybe dogs who are not so open to go and play with a bunch of dogs they don't know because it's too overwhelming or it's just too stimulating for them, a dog walker would be a better option. And and but in that video, was that the first time? No. Okay. No, that was recently. Yeah, I if you were to say, "Hey, look at this video. Is this dog having a good time in daycare?" I would say it's 50-50. I, I think if yeah. you pulled him out, he wouldn't care. But I don't think I, – I didn't see him engaging into any play. But, again, to be fair, we have certain dogs in our daycare that will go off and only play with, like, two or three dogs that they like and they engage with. Just like with people, there's going to yeah. be certain introverts and extroverts that are clicky, and it's it's literally the same thing. We've, we have dogs that do the same. We have a dog that – we have dogs that'll come in to be friends with everybody and they'll play bound with everybody. And then we have dogs that will kind of break off into their own little clicks and play and lay down with each other. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not worth the $30 a day for us to have a dog pace with anxiety of trying to figure out how to get out. But, um, but again, it's hard for me to say, I, I would just try to rely on your, your trainer's feedback to say like, Hey, you know, if he's not having a good time or if he doesn't love it, you know, we have no problem looking for a, a dog walker th to come in instead of having him go through some of that stressful um, rigor or more of being into daycare. Do you think it would be bad? Like, let's say we sent him, but like the whole idea was that he just saw people and dogs, but maybe he doesn't go to the daycare part. He just kind of gets walked around, but he's still having that interaction of sorts or. Yeah, um, I, I think so. But, I, but again, I, I don't think that if we're dealing with leash reactivity, it's going to help the overall problem of, of, of him being leash reactive right. with, with specifically you guys, because that's, right. that's likely the bigger problem is if he can right. go to daycare and run around and play and be social and by social, that means just be around dogs. That's without any reactivity or aggression. That's great. That tells you that he's not really an aggressive dog. That means that when you get him on the leash, the variable is either the leash or you or both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay. that, that means that whatever you guys are doing potentially is problematic. And, yeah. And that means whatever you guys are doing is, is the problem. So it's, yeah. And then it's kind of splits a hair again where it comes into handling as well as relationship. So. Okay. We did. I mean, when the trainer came to our house a couple of weeks ago for the second, like follow-up, he did walk him for a while and he did have the same behaviors. Like the trainer was not able to get him to like reverse out of that by walking him. Um, so maybe the leash is like a big mm -hmm. part of it. I mean, obviously contributing too, to sure. it, but yeah. it's probably both to your point. Yeah. And I think again, like exercise to do what, tell me what you guys are doing. You're out on a walk. He's in a foos. You, you see another dog, he reacts. What do you do? So what the trainer <laughs> told us to start doing, which I've been trying and I don't feel like it's working, is 
as soon as he starts to like show any sign of like, I'm going to build, then I say, let's go and turn the opposite direction and walk like 20 paces that opposite direction and then turn back around and do that a couple times if need be, but try and walk through it. Are you only doing that turnaround when you see another dog? Yeah. Okay. That's a problem. Okay. Because he knows, right? He knows it's happening. Yeah. Right. So you'll condition him, you know. The leash means a walk. The keys mean a car ride. Putting on your coat, getting the chuck it means X, Y, and Z. They condition. So if every time you say foos or you change directions on a walk, that's seemingly a normal walk, and that indicates to him that there's another dog, you're going to start conditioning him and building him that that change of direction. If it's not randomized, he's going to indicate that that's the problem. So you, so so here's here's the point of view of the dog. You're out for a walk. Everything's great. Birds are chirping, sun shining, cool, awesome. You're walking, and then all of a sudden, you change. You go foos, and you change. He's like, okay. He changed directions, and then you, your handling starts to get a little kind of edgy, right? A little jerky. Yeah. You know, your your leash tension might get a little tighter. You know, the sure. way you're, you know, everything about you changes. You know, your shoulders, everything. And then mm-hmm. he sees the dog. Boom, he reacts. Boom, he reacts. So, so you're basically indicating to him that when, when there's another dog. Get ready. Yeah, well, get, get ready, but also other dogs aren't good because you're changing. You're, you're not relaxed anymore, you know? So that's part of it. Again, that's handling. That's also relationship. If, if you're indicating to him that every time you see a dog, you change everything for the worse, you're telling him that, that he should be nervous. There's, you're giving him reasons to be nervous. He's basically saying other dogs make my mom and dad nervous. Yeah. We did the second, the second video that I sent is, uh, an example of me walking into a situation with a dog Okay, and you can kind of see that in action. All right, let's check it out. Here we go. It is sunny and shiny there. Okay. We're walking. (laughs) He's starting to build a little bit. You turn, he hops, he looks back. But do you see like well you I don't know, you're. Yeah, so you're doing a lot of outside turns too. I'm not seeing any inside turns. So when you're turning with him, his head is constantly going over your legs to get to the. So this is this is great to see because again this is confirming all of the handling that that we were talking about. So okay. every so when you're walking, you're loosely, you see the dog boop immediately. If you go back and look at that video, when you turn yep. around in that the, where the stop sign is and you turn around, your arm is up here, way up here. You're immediately giving him that pressure. Exactly what I'm talking about is you're telling him, oh shit, this is a problem. And he's, and then, he, so by nature, 15 month old first. So let's pull layers off 15 month old. That's one part intact. Yeah. That's another part. German Shepherd, that's another part, right? So there's three different kind of things going into this pot of spiciness, if you will, right? Yeah. You got all sorts great, of different pep- peppers going in here. It's making it spicy. So, and we're the cream of the crop here. Yeah. So, well, you, it's a lot, right? So my point is, is you have to be very careful how you're handling yeah. that dog because you can detonate things because it's a lot of sensitivity. My point is, 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 is there's, doesn't take a lot to override that because those things are naturally going handling good or bad, that kind of build in that, like, Oh, there's a dog. Oh, there's a dog. Oh, there's a dog. Cause you got to think that your dog smells that dog already a block away. 
So it's kind of like, I don't know. Does smell the air, so yes, he does. <laughs> right. It's kind of like uh, smelling the the grill before you. Ah, oh, they're grilling. Oh, you know, or, or uh, the smoke of the fireplace. But you know, things like that. Like you, that's what we do. You go. Oh, that smell. Oh, that smells good. You, you know, you go to a restaurant. You go to a bakery. You're already assuming like, okay, buns are in the oven type thing. So you got to think a dog <laughs> is like 25 times that. They sm- so my point is, is this dog smells this dog already just because they see him. Then it starts to go, whoop, there it is. There's the dog. And then, you know, his adrenaline starts going, he, heart starts pounding. He's like, oh, there's a dog. What are they going to do? Are they, you know, and if it's an intact dog, it's a whole different thing. So you got all this going on and then you change, you go, whoop, and then you kind of just flip that switch. So he's going, bump, 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 bump. And then you change, you turn directions, your voice changes, your leash pressure changes. And then whoop, the floodgate just opens up. And then he's like, yeah, let's fire up. So, and, and again, you're doing a lot of outside turns. So when he's on his, when he's foosing on your left and you're walking, mm-hmm. you're taking your right shoulder and you're swinging out, swinging out. You need to turn into him, cut him Towards off. Him. Yeah, because okay. if you watch the video, his head is, the head, like a car with headlights, controls where you're looking. Right? You're out in the middle of pitch black. You got a headlamp on. The only way you're going to be able, your, your focus and your direction is where your head is. Right. So when he's looking, you got to do inside turns to navigate his head and push his head the other way. So as he starts to build, that head is like a simmering pot on the heat. And if you take his head and you turn him and you go the other way, it diffuses that. And he starts to he starts to simmer down a little bit. And then once he kind of gets a little bit more relaxed. So you want to interchange your inside turns and your outside turns. And you basically want it to become an inside job. But you're doing two things wrong in a sense of, or the lack thereof, is you're not randomizing it. So you're conditioning him that when you change directions and you say foos and you go the other way, that there is a problem and there is a dog and this is going to be a reaction. And the other thing is, is you're, you're more, you're in fix it mode. You're, you're thinking more about how you can stop the reaction instead of trying to help the dog do something more structured or creative or, or outletting. Right. So you're not like, Hey, let's work over here. Let's work over here. Sit down, stay, rip a tug out, get some treats out, making him work for you. You're more, you're more, you know, playing, you're putting out fires. You're not trying to teach people how to not start fires, you know? So anyway, again, like looking at that video, it's all handling is because it's, I'm not saying the handling is going to decrease and minimalize and potentially eliminate the reactivity it's not going to necessarily stop him from being a 15 month old intact shepherd of getting you know he, he might vocalize a little bit he might breathe a little heavy but you have to push him forward because everything about that handling was yeah buddy this is a problem this is i'm okay. also i'm also telling you this is a problem which again makes total sense of everything yeah. that we talked about because if you were to hand that leash to somebody else in a different context he doesn't have a problem with the dog it's the it's the frustration and the build that you and even the trainer is probably building on the dog to make things worse is you're not you're not focusing on what can you how can you outlet this dog and those are things I do you see me get out treats squeaker toys tug toys and you say hey if you pay attention to me then things happen but but again one big thing that you're having a problem with is you're not practicing working with your dog 
So like you were saying before about different sports and raising dogs and like Mike Ellis and doing all these different things with teaching your dog how to tug and working on different bite sports and things like that. You're not focusing on engagement and relationship building. You're focusing on, I have a 15 month old reactive German shepherd that I'm trying to shut off. You got to figure out why it's happening. And you also have to work on, Hey, let's do this instead. This is way better. So if you took a tug, like I'm just thinking out loud, I'm out for a walk with him. He sees another, well, first of all, what I would do is in, in that little area that you were working on one of those side streets, I'd maybe get a tug out and I'd slap him in the butt and I'd say, Hey, what's this? Boom. And I'd shake it around and he'd go, and he'd try to get it. And if he doesn't, I, I, I get a little bit of food out. I'd say, Hey buddy, what's this? He, Ooh, what's this? Right. And, and it just depends on the dog and, and what their drive is. And you kind of work both of those. Some dogs are super yeah. motivated by objects. Some dogs are super motivated by food, but either way you say, Hey, look at this. And they go, Ooh, what's that? And you say, come and you walk backwards and you say, you sits, boom, plots, boom, boost. Yes. Good. Turn direction, turn direction, pay attention, pay attention, break. You break the dog out and then they can be a dog. And you're doing that. Say you're on a 15 minute walk you're doing that every three minutes randomly. Moderate, yeah. Right. Okay. So then, so then when you when you see the dog, you just randomly say, "Hey, come here," and you and you kind of just engage the dog. And so, I mean, obviously that'll that'll completely eliminate if you can master the engagement because it doesn't look like he's super in that video anyway. He's he's not going crazy yet. He is. He's suspicious. He's kind of, he's kind of like, hey, hey, there's a, you guys, there's a dog over there and I got to go figure it out. And what your job is to say is you got to decompress that. Don't give the dog any red flags of like, hey, let's, so you got to randomize your work. But I I just think by judging by how you're handling him, you got to focus more on building your own relationship with him instead of just try to put out the fire. Yeah, sure, that makes, sense. makes sense. We we did send a third video, which is really short, and maybe just to see if you see anything the else. Little more the outs- yeah. outside it's video. A outside video, yeah. Okay. It was it's just what we're seeing more as we like take him out to the bathroom because mm-hmm. there's stuff right around us. Yeah. He... Yep. You guys he are bit. out. Okay, you're outside. He's he's yeah. on the end of the leash. He sees something. He's barking. I didn't even realize he was, he wasn't barking, but he would definitely now looking at the video, saw something before I did or smelled it. Definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. then he started barking. And then, so, so yeah. it just tells me like judging by what I'm hearing is he's kind of saying like to you, he's like, he, he, again, he's so, you know, again, we talked about suppression and all that stuff. I mean, it just goes back down to look, you, you got a 15 month old again, 15 month old. That's one. German Shepherd, that's two. Intact, that's three. All of those things are going to make him a more suspicious, protective. You go out at night, it's just getting dust there. It's just getting dark, right? You're going out. He's on his pee break. He's in front of you. He's not paying attention. He immediately alerts because he sees something, he smells something, or he hears something, or all three, right? You don't see it, hear it, or smell it, obviously. And then he, and then you may see it or you may not see it. But the point is, is you, that's not going to go away, but you disengaging him. Cause the whole time you brought him back, it almost seemed like he was like, but dad, did you, but you didn't see it, but you didn't see it. You didn't see it. You didn't see what I saw. Is it okay? Is it okay? Is it okay? Should we go check it out? Like he, he, what, what you want him to do? Like 
like with like with Lakota for an example, right? And again, yeah. I'm telling you, with having the trifecta of the layers you're dealing with, you're not going to take away that fish swimming. You're not going to tell them don't care about random people at night walking around my house, our house. That's mm-hmm. never going to happen, and you don't want that to happen. But when you yeah. say, hey, leave it, knock it off, I got it. He's not doing that. So like with Lakota, if I go bang, 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 she might go, whoa, 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 hey, somebody's here. Hey, somebody's here. And I can then say, go to your bed and lay down. And she may be sitting there going, because she's, <laughs> she's still a dog. And she's, and I don't care. I don't, what, what, I care. what do I care? But I have that control. Where with you, you don't. He's still like, let me, need that. Yeah, he's still like, let me go. Let me go. I got this. I got this. I got this. And when you say, hey, knock it off, it like kids, right? Where you're like, hey, enough is enough. No is no. You know, turn off the TV, put away the whatever, it's done, we're done. It's not, yeah, but no, that's what you're dealing with. So so everything about what I saw just in this short conversation is just, you know, your handling has has, has a great deal of improvements to, to do. Um, but again, just like your overall control, uh, you know, um, when he's sitting there barking at the end of the leash, you need to have a leave it, but you also need to have a heel and brake command. So if you don't, if you're not going out, and teaching him what he, you know, foosing or healing, and then having that very um, binary, black and white like break. Like when he's out there peeing and pooping yeah. in the morning or at night, that's when he's on his break. Yeah. So he goes out. He postures up. That, that's him being a dog. You're not gonna say, right. "Oh man, we we regressed. It sucked. We had a bad day today." No, no, no. That's that's unrealistic. Unrealistic. All you would say is, okay, buddy, hey, I got it. There's somebody out there I can't see. Leave it. And he's like, no, you know, bang, correction, right? And he's like, oh, shit, serious? I'm like, yeah, dude, stop. It's just neighbor Timmy or it's just a cat or it's just somebody walking their dog or it's nothing. But at the end of the day, you have to have that. But I can just tell by your handling skills that you just haven't developed the proper handling skills to make him feel confident on the leash yet. So that's what you have to work on. Okay. So maybe our last question then, because I mean, we can definitely continue to try this and we will, uh, you know, especially what you said today, but it may be hard for us to get there without somebody like yourself that can like help teach us the right handling skills. So two things, right? Like I know you guys offer a board and train and then you have the three day session where we can sign up and work with you directly. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously they're both expensive and we're about three and a half hours away, but like we really want to like improve what we're doing and we want the dog to, you know, be at a place where, for a long yeah. Time, yeah. So what would you recommend Tom after the conversation today? Well, I'll give you a couple of different options. I think, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think the board and train would be the best option because I think it's you guys. I think we're going to get them in yeah. and we're going to do the same thing your trainer's doing right now. And that's the thing is like, I'm not really a dog. I'm categorized as a dog trainer, of course. Right. But I'm not really a dog trainer. I, I don't train dogs. Like when people come to me and, train and us. right, I, I don't like, it's not like dogs by Tom. It's not dogs by Tom. It's dog owners <laughs> that are going under my program. If they fail, that's their fault. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't build dogs. I, I don't claim I do. I don't, I don't, I help dog owners. If you go out and you don't do what I say and you fail, that's on you. I can, I can teach you systematically proven over the years how to do it. But if you don't do it, that's, that's on you. You guys need that. I, we don't, I don't think a board and train would be what you need. Now, as far as the expense goes, um, two different options. There's a cheaper option. Um, cause the out of state, this sounds silly. The out of state with me is I think 3000 close to it. Yeah. 2,900 for the three day, the yeah. three day course. Yeah. I think it's yeah 3,000 on the website. So 
what I would recommend, and that's very popular and we do it twice a month and it sells out every month. But what I would recommend if you want to save some money and get more bang for your buck, and I, but it, it depends on how long you want to wait. That's the only problem is we do have a seminar in May um, with myself and one of my friends and we're doing it together at Force Mickey is also trains at Michael Ellis' school. Um, fabulous dog trainer. It's $2,000 for a three-day workshop with him and I both. And, um, as far as expense goes, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you want to save a little bit of money with getting more bang for your buck, um, if you wanted to wait until late May, it's May 22nd, you could do that. Um, but in between that, um, the out of state with me would also be just as beneficial. Um, either way, it's just, uh, I haven't released the, um, the seminar I'm releasing it tomorrow. So as far as expenses go, if you guys can wait or if you want to wait, um, it's a, it's a $2,000 ticket to get basically to the two ends, you know, behavior modification over here. And then forest is a world renowned, uh, competitive obedience, obedience, problem solving trainer. So you're getting both of us working on your dog at the same weekend. So. And I assume we can't make him any worse than he is in the two months. So, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really up to you guys. Um, but it, those are, your, you asked me the options and the options. Th- those yeah. are it. Um, you could do the out of state. You could, you could probably get in as early as next month and a couple of weeks, uh, you know, early, whatever April it is. And, um, cool. all right, cool. All right, you guys, well, it's <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, just let Taylor know, you know, in the future, if you want to sign up for those classes, I know she's opening the April classes up. Um, and she's starting to book for those now. So if you guys want to get into there, make sure you email her and get in. Okay. okay. Awesome. Thank you for your time. You really Thank appreciate you so it. Much. You're welcome. Very helpful. Thanks, Tom. Yep. Bye-bye. Yep. All right, you guys, you have reached the end of the podcast. And so I'm going to go over three dog training questions that you guys have left in the reviews. If you guys want me to answer yours, all you guys have to do is go over the iTunes review chart and leave your review there with your question. And this is the title, Best Dog Podcast Out There from Lena Lily Light, I think. Thank you so much for the five stars. Thanks for making these podcasts. They help me a bunch with my own dog training business, and I love learning and seeing how you answer your clients' questions, and you can tell you really care about when you want to help. My question is, when I'm working with clients who are scared of their dog, how do I help them over it to move forward with the dog? They have a Doberman that have bit them when they try to make they try to take a bone from him at six months old. He is now 13 months old and he is scared to play with them at all with a toy or a ball. I have been helping them tighten up their commands and take it slow, but they are scared to correct him or be firm with him. I know it's going to be working more and more on engagement and relationship building, but how do you give them specific tips that you can give them? I think so he's 13 months old, so he's a little bit over than a year. And um, they have a Doberman that will bite when they try to take a bone away from them at six months old. And so now they're afraid to basically play with this dog. So I would just make sure, I mean, the, I think the best thing to do is a lot like what I do. Well, first of all, thank you for the review. appreciate it. Um, and I think what you should be doing is really just teaching them how to do it. I mean, if, if you feel comfortable doing this, I mean, that's, that's what I would do is I would just say, here, here's how to do it. So maybe you get like a slip leash on the dog and you start teaching the dog how to out and you start teaching the dog how to, how to, how to win a game and, and being confident with teaching the dog that when they do out something, they're going to get a tug back. Um, so again, I think I would also just clarify to them that playing tug with your dog or playing ball with your dog is different from a dog 
hoarding or resource guarding a toy. So as long as you teach the dog, so there's two different things is you have to teach the dog how to play tug successfully and not make it a conflict and not make it defensive. And then you have to really empower and motivate and inspire the owners to say like, Hey, this is how you do it. This is, you know, there's a significant difference between the two and what had happened. And this is how you want to do it. And then I think at the end of the day, I mean, the reality is, is if they don't want to play tug with their dog and they don't feel comfortable doing it, it's probably better that they just don't. I mean, you don't want them to start being shaky with their obedience because they don't feel confident because it could, it could ruin their relationship because they're nervous about the dog biting them with tug. So anyway, it's a good question. And that's my opinion on that. I hope that helps. And thank you so much for listening. Next question is from 17 Nina. Any suggestions on riding a bike with a reactive dog? It's hard to change direction on a bike, so I just ride past and she does react. My bike is between her and the other dog, so I prevent her from pulling over in the direction and we pass. Other dogs are calm and mind their business. I feel like she gets amped up quicker because she is running in motion and towards another dog. So mentally, it's like ignoring my leave it, and she is very stimulating. She's hinder her ability to walk through reactivity. Is this hindering her ability to walk through reactivity since we are just speeding through the situations when she reacts? Or would I just need to go further process on walks before expecting her not to react much on riding the bike? I think I would work on it on the walks first and then transfer it to riding the bike. And as far as, you know, the corrections and things like that or, or how to overcome some of this reactivity, um, it, I, I would need a little bit more context of what you're doing right now. Um, but the question at the end is, would I really need to further progress on walks before expecting her to do good on a bike? The answer is yes. I think if you can slow things down and work with her privately on your on your walks individually, I think that I think the advanced part to that would definitely be the bike. I think the bike is the second step. I think you need to practice the first step first. Um, so the answer is yes. I would slow things down. Um, alternatively in the future, depending on how much obedience you've done, depending on how much work you've done with your dog, depending on your relationship with your dog, I think the remote collar would be a safer thing to do as far as controlling your dog, uh, while on a bike, because I'd hate for you to get ripped into the road or ripped off the bike or both. I mean, that would just be terrible across the board. So that's the other thing that I would recommend in the future is maybe doing a little bit of remote collar to help you. So you can just push a button, um, to potentially help with some of the reactivity when you're in motion on a bike. Thank you for the review. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your loyalty. Great question. We're probably going to do more than three today, guys, because I took a couple weeks off here. I apologize. So probably get a little bit more into it. Best dog training podcast online with the five stars. Boots cut Brett. Thank you so much for the review. Tom, I've been I've been working with animals my whole life, both horses and dogs. And in the past a couple of years, I've really got into dog training, both my own shelter dogs and friends' dogs. I have a goal of going full time and leaving my non dog related sales job. I am very confident with my gear, but I've been really struggling with being able to teach clients both about gear and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Your record your recorded consults have been exactly what I've needed to build my confidence in how to speak with clients and how to explain gear to other. I think when he says gear, he's talking about equipment to others and most importantly, fine tune some of the things I'm doing. You have an unbelievable gift of teaching and I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much for review. That's just a nice, organic, nice review. So thank you so much. Love your training style and technique from Des and Riley. We have been listening to your podcast and following you on social media for the last few years now. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. 
you pay, your patience and love for animals shows through your advice through your training videos. We own five dogs, and our black mouth cur slash boxer chases cars. He chases them to the point of we're fearing of him getting killed. We now only walk him in trails, and he's missing out on local park walks in our neighborhood. We have tried the martingale slip and the prong, and nothing stops him. He's in chase a garbage truck. Do you have any ideas or advice? Well, you know, first of all, thank you for the review. Good question. Um, without getting too much involved into it, uh, my answer is, is you know, the e-collar is going to be your best bet because if your dog is off-leash, which he or she is, the e-collar is going to be the only possible way that you're going to be able to discourage that behavior and get your dog back from not getting hit by a car. Um, so I would do some e-collar training. I have tons of content and other, uh, pieces of advice out there to start doing that. Uh, or of course you can sign up for the online consult like you're hearing right now. Um, but it makes sense why those pieces of equipment aren't working because they're not off leash tools. And I think that if he does decide to go on that split second, you're not going to be able to get him back if he is off leash. All right. Love it. Same, same, but different. <laughs> Shannon, thank you, I think. I really enjoy the podcast. I've been watching your YouTube for like two years, and I just started listening to the podcast. I am happily surprised at how much new information I get out of the podcast in a different way uh, than the videos. I love it all. Just joined the No Bad Dog Army, too. Thank you, Tom, for giving me inspiration and tips for training with my problem child, long-haired GSD Koga. I have been trying to find a muzzle that will fit him comfortably. I've tried so many different brands and sizes. I've tried manipulating the Baskerville and still nothing. His nose is too long for the tip and the and the lips are wide, fluffy, and hang low, and he hasn't had enough pant room. So the muzzle either touches his nose or there's too much pressure on his on his mouth. He's never bit anybody, but uh, I want to muzzle him to desensitize him. Do you have any recommendations? Um, I don't. The answer truly is I don't because I usually use Baskervilles and those are pretty easy to use. I mean, there's t there's a Herm Springer makes a great muzzle. Um, I would go on Learberg and check out their muzzles. They have a huge selection. Um, I wish I gave you had some more advice, but if you're on the No Bad Dog Members Club, the benefit of that is you can post this question to there and you're going to get hundreds of other dog owners' opinions and experiences. So that's what I would do. Thank you for the review. G Triffin. Five stars, great information. Every episode, love the podcast. Thank you so much for the review. We're going to get into one more question. Lisa loves Scott. <laughs> Five star review, my life has been changed. Positive treat only with the healer mix has created a four point four and a half year old monster. I have watched many, many, many hours of your videos and listened to your podcast, and it's really all so simple and that it's difficult to believe it's true. We started over. The problem was with me and not being confident and taking control. It's not perfect by any means, but I feel empowered that I can do this. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for the review. I appreciate it a lot. And that's going to be it for today. Next week, we're going to get into farming, MSKJ, and then a couple other uh, people. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for the uh, reviews, and I'm going to get into yours next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave your review, and I'll answer your questions next episode. Bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.